Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Daryl's Daring Thoughts, Melanin Edition. Thanks for joining me. Um, This is the first episode um, for the new year, so happy new years to everyone. And um, so this episode for me was very important to do because... You know, in the year 2020 was full of transitions for everyone and, you know, remote everything and Zoom has taken over our lives and Google meets and all that jazz. And so I really wanted to talk to some um, educators to get their insight on, you know, the remote learning life and, you know, how things are have changed for the good, the bad, how it affects you know, communities of color. And so I have two educators on, um, both um, CPS educators um, that are here to talk about that and how advocacy is needed and just all the ins and outs of what has been going on so far in this like first semester of this transition. Um, So I want to first introduce my first remote guest. Um, Her name is Egypt. Hey, Egypt. Hi there. How are you? I am doing well, very well. I'm a little jealous you're in California right now getting that good old weather while we getting this, you know, windy city. Oh, man, it's beautiful. Okay, whatever. Moving on. (laughs) Uh, So (laughs) I know Egypt through the arts. Um, She's an amazing actress and um, a real brilliant actress and so I met her through the arts actually both my guests have met through the arts Um, and so my second guest Kenya is also um, an educator we'll go into roles and stuff in a second so how are you thank you for joining I'm great I am too jealous of the sunny California weather but that's okay it'll be (laughs) sunny in Chicago one day it will you know you know about you know about another (coughs) another six seven months but that's okay (laughs) Uh, <laughs> I mean, I have to come home. Yes, yeah, she she's she's from home, here. It's she's, not like I'm staying. Right, she's she's I'm not staying. staying. <laughs> um, and I've also known know you through the arts. Uh, we've done a show together, and um, yeah, we have. Um, I, I love you. You such a great spirit. Um, and she's always been a great spirit to me. She's a great actress. Her son is talented as well. Like, you know, she's she's a she's a veteran. Like, Hina, she just got it all going on over there. So let's get into a couple of things. There's a couple of quick introductions. So Egypt, can you just tell me, you know, your role as an educator um, for CPS? Um, I currently teach 7th through 12th grade uh, chorus and piano. I have the beginning level chorus classes. I have a 7th grade and an 8th grade chorus class as well as the beginning level chorus class. They pretty much mirror one another. Um, slightly modify some of the things, maybe in some of the material for my seventh and eighth graders because of age, but pretty much the same structure, same curriculum, same scope and sequence for that class, as well as teaching beginning piano. So I tend to have the youngest in the building, seventh and eighth grade and freshmen because they're beginning level courses, but sometimes because everyone is required to have a music elective, I see sophomore stringers and singers. So I often joke that I see the entire building. <laughs> I understand. Um, <laughs> same, same question. I'm currently a primary CPS teacher. So I teach the little ones um, anywhere from uh, grades K, pre-K to third. Um, and currently I teach second grade in a uh, great neighborhood on the south side of Chicago. 
Inglewood Gage Park area. And I'm yeah, I love it. <laughs> um, I'm just gonna ask you, um, just give me some more value. I know you got it up in you. Don't do Sorry. me. You in theater. I, you know, it's getting used to the microphone and, and the headset. That's I understand. I understand. Just, I got you. I thank got you. you. Thank you. you. Okay. So great. Um, so my next question is going to be, um, you know, same, same for both of you ladies, but I'll start with Egypt since she can't see me. <laughs> um, when this whole COVID thing happened and, you know, when we really didn't know, because we actually were still in the school year when it happened. Mm-hmm. Um, what Absolutely. you know, and you're all, and, and also both of your uh, parents. Um, you know what? Um, adjustments. What was life for you, Egypt, when you first, when all this first started happening as a mother as well as an educator? Well, first as a mother, when we were. Um, me and my 11-year-old, we jokingly say when we first were put on punishment um, in March and told that we had to stay at home, we were we were pretty good. The rest of March and maybe maybe half of April, um, we we're a set of people who we don't mind being in our house. That's what we like to do anyway. <laughs> we're very social. We will go out. We will hang. We love a good party, but we also will have supplied our house with all those great things that we like so it's nothing to stay at home so we were okay that was fine um remote learning for her during the spring our biggest issue was cps did not set concrete guidelines cps did not say this is what's going to happen because things were up and hold for so long i believe a lot of kids grades suffered because they were told that things wouldn't count and then when they rolled that back and decided that things would count, children couldn't dig themselves out of the hole or didn't have a desire to dig themselves out of the hole. So my straight-A scholar actually finished the spring with her first set of C's. She'd never seen a C in her life. Wow. And my fifth grader saw her first C's coming out of remote learning for the spring. Wow. As an educator, I was, I was very lucky in the spring. Total, and I'm sure we're going to talk about that a little bit later. Totally different than what we got going on now. Mm-hmm. I was very lucky in the spring. As a music teacher, by March, I know my babies. We've already been to competition. We've been to vocal and ensemble competition. We've worked together. We've traveled together. My babies love me. So, majority of my kids were like, I hate this. I hate that I can't come visit you at lunch. Mm-hmm. I, I, I hate that I can't come bring you a bag of craisins. Like, I saw a commercial the other day, and I thought about you. I understand, too. But my kids, my kids showed up to class. You know what I mean? They logged in. They showed up to class. First off, you know, you never know what I'm going to say. You know, and you don't want to miss it. You don't want to be in the group chat and find out that it was lit in class and you were asleep. So I didn't really have that push and pull. My kids showed up to class. My my work, my kids were familiar with the work. I had already integrated some technology in my music class anyway, so I just rolled that out deeper and a little harder. The software and the apps and the technology that I used in spring, we had previously used in October and November of last year. They had seen the software before. So, easy breezy, and lemon squeezy. Now, these new set of people, yeah, we'll talk about it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um... 
Uh, Keena is over here nodding at a lot of things you said, so it seems like some of the a lot of the same experiences. So, give, um, what was your experience like um, when the you know shutdown happened at the end of March? So, it was before that when we start hearing about COVID and all the other things that are happening? So, and I just it just reminded I just remembered that yeah, this is like the end of the second semester, so you already have established these relationships with mm-hmm. these kids, like she's um, pointed out. So, what was your experience? Um, it was chaotic. It was. It was just mm-hmm. a bunch of nonsense it, it because you know from day to day we knew that the cove uh the the rates were going up we knew that the positivity was getting worse we knew that in the black and brown communities it was getting worse we knew that our kids were already behind because of you know certain socioeconomic you know situations right and it was unsettling because we didn't know how we were going to deal with you know, the learning gap is already huge and we didn't understand how we would be able to 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 decrease that when they're not in the classroom. I mean, this is something that as as educators and CPS, we weren't we weren't um, we weren't trained for and it wasn't even a possibility. And even if it were and there are teachers like Egypt who, you know, took the initiative to do things like you know, bring technology in the classroom, but we didn't even have any guidance from our leadership. We, and it, and it took uh, Governor Pritzker closing it down for us to, to finally say, okay, we're not going to do this. And a couple with that confusion was a lot of, you know, it was just scared. We're being scared because we didn't know. Are we going to go into schools and, and contract this disease that, you know, nobody knew anything about? People were dying. I remember when the first teachers were um, diagnosed with COVID in CPS. It was a mess because we had no idea. Are we are we going to die? We're going into classrooms that right. we just didn't know. It was a whole lot of confusion, just a whole lot of uncertainty. And it just didn't feel great as an educator who already had a tough time bringing these kids up to standard. Wow. Definitely. I totally, totally understand that and agree with everything, everything you just said. The social economical gap that was pushed to the forefront by COVID because, and I say pushed to the forefront because me and you, we know. I heard you say Gage Park, you know, <laughs> we, we know that divide and, and we knew, and, that, and then to, yeah, go ahead. we knew that we're already at a disadvantage. We are, we knew that we were already at a great disadvantage. And then to say, okay, well, you're going to give these kids technology to do at home. Well, the kids come to school so they can eat. Right. The kids come to school so Absolutely. they can have a, a safe environment. So you're going to send them home with maybe with a computer but oftentimes with not and do they have internet so and do they have internet and some of them still don't have internet they don't they don't they don't and some of them still don't have devices nope they don't and and so when when wait wait yep yep so as as a person who doesn't know this i have questions how are these kids sent home to do remote learning without a remote device? That's the million dollar question. 
because in I, I can't speak for all schools and, and you know we can't speak for all schools that are around the city but I will say that at the school that the schools that I'm familiar with it was up to the parents to come to school and to pick up the devices um, if absolutely you know, I didn't I didn't want to toss nobody on under that bus well let's toss it because it is what it is the kids who I see that don't have devices that I have heard this language from within the last month, I don't have a device. About 90% of them are because no one went to pick up a device. Wow. And how are you supposed I to only pick up a device solve when the problem? Running? This is true as well. This is true as well. Yeah, and then we have to also consider that now the protocols for COVID are even deeper. Mm-hmm. When we were picking up devices in the spring that maybe some students kept and didn't bring back, the pro- there was no protocol in place because we didn't have that much information. So it was, come get a device. We available these hours, these hours, just come get a device. Now schools are having specific designated times. You need to get your temperature checked. You got to sign some paperwork. You got to take a, a survey before we even let you in the building because we have to do that, um, that tracing. Right. So... So what happened? You know, there are factors, like with, without even throwing the parents under the bus, I'm certain that there are plenty of factors that are keeping some parents from getting their child exactly what they need. And then I will say, on the other hand, there are some parents who have decided this is not real school, and when they get back, they'll make it up. And that's a problem, And that's too. why we need to go back to school, and these teachers need to stop being so doggone late. Because I don't know why the world thinks I'm sitting at home enjoying myself. I mean, now, currently, I am laid up in California. But I postponed this trip five times. But you deserve it. I have it. postponed this trip five times. Oh, yes. Oh, I took this trip most definitely because I deserved it. Because my 11-year-old looked me in my face and she said, I worked so hard mm-hmm. so I could get up out of here and go to Whitney Young. Mm-hmm. She just found out that she would need a 313 on the placement exam to get into Whitney Young. It's only out of 300. She is not eligible to make it to Whitney Young. But because they have to take an average of those last NWEA scores, an average of your grades, it's not, the system's not like it used to be, where it was just those last two quarters and that last NWEA score because of COVID. The kids didn't take it and we want to be fair. So they're averaging things in and my child averaged in and it's not looking good for her and she's Highly upset about it, but not upset so much the way she said it. It just seems like nobody, she, right, she just, no, she said it just seems like no one took this thing seriously. Mm. And if they had just took it seriously, I wouldn't be affected. And isn't that amazing when babies say that? After what do you mean take what seriously could? It just seems like everybody was like, well, it's like the flu. I mean, like, if we'd have just did something, because, like, children in China are in school, mommy. The children in China are in school, mommy. And I'm like, okay, so pack your bag. I'm not postponing this trip again. You need a break, too. They'll all right. So, um, so. so, you know, um, I feel like, you know, there is... I guess, you know, not to say the word, you know, enough blame to go around um, mm-hmm. with this, you know, I, I, I guess I would say 
as if I'm playing devil's advocate, okay, say, okay, this March thing, you know, when it happened in March, it was new for everyone. Sure. You know, no one expected yeah. this. No one knew what to do. So from yeah. March, you would think that, you know, okay, we've been told that the fall was going to be the worst. You know, that's something that we were told back in the summer that the fall was going to be the worst. Prepare for mm-hmm. it. So sure. you would think that fall semester comes everything will be way better than it was the spring when we were just all thrown to the wolves you would think so i'm well when the people in charge are sitting around come back um making a plan for a hybrid plan instead of actually looking at science and the numbers then yeah and looking at when it starts Mm -hmm. and looking at what parents are they spent all that time yep because the parents were right. A, COVID, a hybrid plan and didn't ask the teachers, mm-hmm. didn't ask the parents, didn't, you know, talk so, to. So between then, so between all that time and now, were you ever, were either of you ever asked, you know, what do you think as an educator is the best way to get, make sure these children have a, 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 a great, a, a good education while being safe? Were you all approached? Was there a survey? Was there some town halls or conferences, virtual town halls? Or was there anything that was done to get your perspectives as educators on how this could be moved forward safely? By the union. I I don't remember getting anything. And and Egypt, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't remember getting anything from, from, um, from CPS. Um, but I'm not a I'm not a parent of a CPS, so you know Egypt may have a little bit more. Okay, so that. yes, that's true. I did get uh, we did get these surveys. They were convoluted with information and wording unnecessary. Confused, confusing. Email. Oh yeah. Oh, oh oh oh! The confusion of CPS is amazing. But but I'm a champion reader. Shout out to Accelerator Reader. All right. <laughs> I don't mind reading a 13 page email for understanding and I'll print a sucker out and highlight me something and annotate that thing. Like, uh, uh-uh. no, that's not what you said in paragraph two. These two things contradict themselves. That won't work. So I sat and I read through that foolishness and basically what it wanted parents to, it was, it was very propaganda ish and very leading. If, if, if it were a document for the court of law, it would be objection, Your Honor, leading the witness. Mm. It was like, how how can we show you that this is not going to be good for your child? Your child will be behind. I remember saying aloud to myself as I'm reading it, uh, behind who? Hmm. If we all at home, we all behind together. Behind who? Behind, we all at home, behind, right? Behind kids, further behind than than kids in other communities. That's what the, that's what now that was further behind. That's it. And, and and then my response to that was is, well, you're concerned about this because that, those are the kids you're really concerned about. Exactly. But if, if they're behind, if they lose a little time and they get behind, guess what? Just might so happen that my kids be not caught up. And level the playing field just a little bit. Not a playing field is level. Oh. Shout out to COVID. Hmm. Wow. Y'all, y'all, you just, y'all just really touched on something that, I, that didn't even cross my mind. 
<laughs> Interesting. So as I was saying, you know, you know that um not there's enough blame to go around, but a lot of, you know, the parents have a responsibility, educators have a responsibility as well as the students. So I wanted to just go into how but how have how has your relationships with the parents been during um this time? And I'll start with you, Kina. Are you struggling with working from home while your school-aged child completes e-learning? Has your pivot point petered out and devolved into a deluge of disappointing discouragement? Yeah, we know. Our solution is in-person remote learning support within a sanitized space where school-aged children receive individual assistance. Students bring all materials, including technology, to our location and they can stay for the entire day or they can come in for after-school help. Certified teachers ensure students stay on task during all e-learning sessions, where we regularly check for understanding and communicate with teachers when needed. And this is especially vital for students who are more successful in face-to-face situations. Admittedly, this year, we've had to pivot a little more than usual. Let us put power back into your pivot. Drop your students off with us and let us help your online learner level up. International Foundations Education, www.ifoundedu.com or give us a call, 530-431-8461. It's It's hard to, I'll be honest, I'll be brutally honest, it's hard to have relationships with parents um, when they are working two and three and four jobs, it's hard to have relationships anyway, but you get into a rhythm and you you learn when to text them and you learn when to um, you learn when the communication times are. Mm-hmm. But during a, a, a pandemic, what I mean, they might go to work, they might not. They might go to work one day, 12 to six. The next night they might go to work eight to two in the morning. So that sets it off. Right. It's hard to have a relationship with parents, especially at the beginning in, in September and in, in August. That's when you develop those relationships. That's when you learn to know the kids. That's when you learn to know, you know, who's staying at grandma's house during the week and who's going, you know, to Titi's house on, you know, every night. But mm-hmm. not seeing the parents and not knowing. And, you know, to be honest, I was a parent. I had two jobs at one time it's hard it's hard to communicate and it's it made it even harder because we didn't have we didn't have that one-on-one and the parents didn't they didn't have that that ability to communicate and say you know here's my work schedule because they didn't have a work schedule nobody went to work and now they're they're on their side hustle and their front hustle and their back hustle and they're just trying to make a living so it's hard. Absolutely. And what are your thoughts? Definitely. Your thoughts um, on that as well, Egypt? Uh, we're talking parent contact and parent involvement. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you might see Johnny and mom in the bag giving them some answers. Um. Well, well, that's a whole other conversation, right there. You talking about? She said, "See." That's hilarious. See, I, I teach to bad rappers and basketball players and anime characters. Nobody turns that camera on. What are you talking about? Mm. Um, 
to high school. Anyway, <laughs> so parent involvement. I find that a lot of my parents, because I have the older kids, except my, mostly my seventh and eighth grade parents, they're still very, very, very involved. But that's also due to the way our AC program is designed. Like there is an awards ceremony on Friday for the academic center students virtually during a fourth and fifth period class. Like they got a sub for me so I can be there to celebrate the kids. We playing among us for 20 minutes. Like it's a whole thing. So there's plenty of parent involvement with the seventh, eighth grade students. But with my high schoolers, I feel like there is this, you big enough, you grown enough. Mm -hmm. Did you do it? Yeah. You're on your own. You're on your own. And not, not only are a lot of them on their own, but they're on their own and they're in charge because they're the oldest at home with three little, two little ones. So not only do they so, have to do their work, they have to make sure mm -hmm. their brothers and sisters can attend mm -hmm. to. You know what's and I have some immaculate big brothers and big sisters. I mean, they are outstanding. Like, it makes me question, did I do right by my little brothers? Listening to them, talk to their little brothers and sisters and, and give them instructions and encourage them. And I'm just like, y'all are kind of super dope, but that's also kind of super sad. Mm -hmm. Not your baby. <laughs> They have to have that responsibility. You know, the one thing um, that I've been told um, by a lot of um, by a lot of parents is the, the, the length of time that is being asked of these kids to be on the computer oh. and stuff like that. And what irritates me with that whole logical thinking now, I'm not an educator, but I just said I said, well, wait a minute, that's stupid. Why don't they just do maybe four hours a day and just do like a Saturday morning four hours like because me as someone who used to work at a in a call center for eight to ten hours, you couldn't pay me to want to stay at the damn computer that that long, and I it just irritated me. So it's like as an adult who doesn't want to stare at a computer no of uh, that long, especially when I'm staring at it for something I really don't want to do. Mm -hmm. How do Absolutely. you how do you expect? young children i mean young i have like one of my best friends helps her friend out by because my friend is um unemployed right now because of covid so she goes to her friend's house and babysits her child mm -hmm. um and while she's That's at work awesome. and you know she pays her to for helping her mm -hmm. and um and, and she's like this she's like she has to like he's not he's not tired you know he had a good night's sleep like the, the woman she, she she takes really good um, care of her child he goes to bed at a normal time mm -hmm. but he falls asleep at a computer and everything mm -hmm. no one has the attention span it's unrealistic no. expectation to, no one it's has the attention span even me at work I'm looking at, I'm looking at something and I go I go log into something else like no one has the attention span so I don't understand what their thinking is behind that because the money and, and let's i'm gonna call it real as it is it's all okay, about now. money it's all about money and if we can't as a system we can't prove that we are providing a service if we cannot prove that we are doing our in quotes job mm -hmm. we, we can't get paid for it from the state it, it doesn't matter that the you know, five-year-olds are spending, you know, six hours in front of the computer. It doesn't matter that, you know, with this one year of everybody spending, you know, 10, 12 hours in front of the computer in, you know, years, we're going to have a problem with, with eyes and with um, developmental delays. Yep. And it do That doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. It matters about the money. 
And the money says that if you cannot prove that you are doing your job as an educator, I mean, you know, pre-COVID rules, pre-COVID rules are applying today and they shouldn't because it's a, it's a, it's a different era. But, you know, oh, well, it takes time to, you know, rewrite the law and, you know, you have to be patient because it's during a pandemic. And it comes to the point where non-educators are saying, yeah, you can stick a five-year-old in front of the computer for six hours a day. And that's perfectly acceptable. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Sure. Go for it. Oh, my goodness. And I can tell you right now, they want to try to cut my pay Hmm. because they want to lower these kids' hours. I'm going to lower the cognitive demand of these doggone lessons, and everybody's going to pass. I'm going to pass out A's like I'm over. You hear me? But that's how it <laughs> You get an A. You get an A. You get an A. I'll get an A. The amount of planning and the time that I am spending creating these 30 to 38-minute lessons with things inside of them so that the kids stay engaged with me, and I just told you my children don't turn on their camera. Nope, they don't. I'll have 38 little boxes in front of me and maybe three real faces that I'm looking at. And one of those faces is not actually a face. It's only forehead up. <laughs> and with, with okay. me, I mean, you might see kids on the couch. You might see kids, you know, eating breakfast. You might see kids under the under the blankets. You might see kids and you know they're watching TV behind you. So Oh, oh, oh. Me and my daughter play that game quite frequently when she is in class. We put that thing on grid view and we play who's not actually watching the screen. Mm-hmm. Look, look at Johnny. Look at Johnny. She watched the TV. Look at her. She just laughed. What she laughed at? Mr. Kelly didn't say anything funny. <laughs> that wasn't funny. <laughs> so, um. We play that game quite frequently. Um, so, um, my next, um, Kina, I want to, um, segue to something that you're very passionate about. Um, um, when discussing advocacy and I feel like this is a good part of the conversation to bring that in because, you know, it seems like, you know, the, the, the parents, it seems like it's just, it's it's very chaotic Mm -hmm. and, you know, you know, teachers all already are mom and dad to some of these kids. And now it seems like another layer has been added on for you uh, for uh, educators on top of, you know, parents not doing, you know, some, just be honest. Some Mm -hmm. parents really just don't do their part. Right. And they really put more on the, on educators than, than, than there needs to be Mm -hmm. like. And so I wanted to talk to you about, um, 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 something that you're um passionate about, and that has a lot to do with advocacy and things like that. So, if you um, can you uh, just um talk about that real briefly? I'm passionate that um, parents need to stick up for their kids. Parents need to go to That's schools, right. and parents need to say, "Hey, um, my child isn't learning." Parents need to go and say to to administration um, principals to a certain extent have their hands tied, but they need to go down to their respective boards of education. They need to talk to their their um, find out who your your mayor is, find out who your alderman is, find out who your whoever your person in in elected official is, and you need to say, okay, yeah, we're in a pandemic. We understand that this is you know unprecedented times, but this is how we fix it. We can you can suggest say and you know keep the schools clean get the 
get the HEPA filters in there, get appropriate PPE, or, you know, let's think about the length of the school day. Like you said before, talking about Saturday school, Saturday school. Oh, my goodness. We can't even get them to come to school Monday to Friday, let alone a Saturday school. But talking to your officials, talking to your teacher, talking to your your uh, a school and saying, how can we help? Because the power it, for the parents is in the pen. As an educator, we, we only have a, a certain amount. But parents are taxpayers. And I'm sure Egypt will agree with me. Parents, you pay our salaries. So it is, it is up to you to go to your school and say, how can I help? How can I, who can I contact? Who can I, you know, do I need to call the alderman? Do I need to call the block captain? Do I need to call whichever president you choose to accept at this time? Who do I need to call? (laughs) (laughs) No, like seriously, no, no. She's absolutely right, though. I, I found out the most interesting fact. On the average... The LSC members, local school council members, for more than half of the Chicago Public School District, more than half of them, most of the LSC board members don't even have current children in those schools in those districts. Their children have either graduated and gone on, or they were just a part of the community and never had any kids in school. There are actual people on the LSC who have never had children inside of any school in that district, and they sit on the LSC. It's open. Those meetings are public. They are not private. You can get the minutes. You can walk into any one of them with your concerns. And verbally say, Miss so-and-so told my child, they have to answer it. They have to address it. And now it's on the docket. Now it's documented. It's within paperwork. And parents need but to hold those, no one comes. Parents need to hold that that accountable. And and even for you know the the suburbs, you know we're both CPS teachers. But even for the suburbs, you know, I've attended a few suburban mm-hmm. board meetings. Um, so let's not to say that Chicago is in a bubble, and you know all the big cities are in a bubble. It's happening everywhere. But I tell you what's happening: the other places that it's not happening in Chicago, other parents are coming, and other parents are saying, "Uh, uh-uh, uh, we're not going to deal with this." Uh, uh-uh. uh, that's not right. Other parents in the suburbs. Uh, I'll just I'll just narrow it down to the south suburbs because that's what I know. Other parents in the mm-hmm. south suburbs are going to the board meetings and saying, "No." How can we work together? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, here's a solution. Let's try it. And that's right. why you see schools going back and forth from remote learning to in-person, right. remote learning to in-person, because that's parents right. are involved. Or changing from a regular schedule to a block schedule. Right. Getting right. those kids involved with only having certain amount of hours that they're in front of those things. It is the parents that are moving that needle. I don't care how many times I say to my administration, this is too much. They don't care. They don't take it. They, they don't listen to what I say. And it's and it's parents no. feeling empowered. And the board, yeah. the board, I, I don't know if the board gives them that power or if the parents just take it. But parents, if you're if you're not if you feel something strongly about your child's school, go with a suggestion and say, Okay, let's work this out. And it can happen in Chicago just like it can happen everywhere else. Wow. Absolutely. Wow. 
So, Absolutely. so just moving forward, uh, we are in a, you know, um, first semester now. Um, well, you know, first semester ending, you know, second mes- semester beginning um, situation. Um, Egypt, um, since you are teaching, you know, older children, have you, uh, I mean, are performance wise, are you seeing performances like to your knowledge or just maybe some of your colleagues have talked to you how are children like really performing as far as academically wise yes as far as and and how they're responding yeah and how they're responding so yeah well so i think to talk about that we also have to talk about if curriculum is being acclimated for children properly for virtual learning and it's there not. are a, it's not <laughs> no it's not not across the board no not in an equitable matter no not at all there are still teachers who are who are teaching as if though we are in person mm-hmm. mm. and it is totally different it is it is it's not the same at all you can't do it the same way and i, I also believe that any teacher who is right online with their curriculum and scope and sequence mm-hmm. as they would be in person right now for remote learning, somebody's failing and you ain't caught it yet. There's you just no way. About it yet. Or you haven't or you haven't graded or you haven't assessed them kids and you just you just keeping the ball rolling and you keep moving. Because there's just no way. There's just no way that you can still be on track and online. So in high school right now, we, our administration uh, did a um, grade book deep dive where they actually did a grade book audit. And they gave us by teacher, by department, by subject, by grade level, uh, F and RDs all out there, like on a Excel sheet, like everybody can see that's your name, that's your percentage, that's oh, how many wow. questions I fell in your class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They now they put you some on people blast. they do that. They do. They do that. Now some people would say, Oh my gosh, that's harsh. That's and maybe it's because I, I don't sit on the wrong side of that paperwork. But it it for me it was eye opening. It was eye opening. Our elective classes are classes taught by very um, charismatic teachers don't have as many failures. Mm-hmm. Our classes taught by those teachers who were at Google Palooza and leading PDs over the summer and learning new tech don't have as many failures. Wow. Our classes that are subjects that our kids enjoyed when they were in person don't have as many failures. Mm-hmm. You can't teach Tom's melanoma virtually like you teach it in person. These kids are really this out is here really like true across the board. Like mm-hmm. um, even for me earlier this year, I accepted a new job and I was supposed to be moving to um yeah. Harrisburg, Pennsylvania and I was doing remote learning of the job. And I am I'm a hands-on learner. I'm a hands-on. I'm I'm a virtual learner as well, mm-hmm. but I need to be able to touch it 
and say this is what I'm doing is I'm doing this correctly I need to be able to do the examples right you know and I feel like and they were moving so fast they were moving so fast and it got to the point to where it made me feel like well damn I went to school for this I, did I not learn this what it kind of made me right. feel like I forgot you know what I learned and I think that a lot of people a lot of companies and schools across the, the, the nation need to understand that there are many different styles of learning. There are many different learning techniques. Yeah. Yes. And you have yes. literally changed everyone's learning technique to one thing. That's right, you have. You have taken everyone's learning Absolutely. technique to one thing, and that has to be virtual. Right? Visual. Right. And that's not I everyone's learning technique. No. But that's what happens I when you get, give a... Go ahead. That's what happens when you have people who are... Um, in charge of ed- education who uh, aren't educators. Aren't That's educated. what happens That's because as educators, we Bessie know... DeVos's ass? Well... Mm. But th- I'm yes. just saying, if, yes. she, if she wasn't over the D- Department of Education right now, if it would have been like, you know, Elizabeth Warren right. or, you know, Somebody, someone like that, right. it probably would have definitely right. been a different experience. Oh, yeah. You know, going. I knew forward. she didn't know what she was doing when she tweeted first day on the job. Now, if I could just find a pencil, you bring those yeah. with you, honey. You yeah. ain't never been no educator, <laughs> never, <laughs> never. You'd bring the whole yeah. class pencils. You ain't never did this before. You couldn't <laughs> find a child to give yeah. you a pencil. But that's what happens. Like the, 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 that's the bottom line right. to basically all this. When you have people in charge they have never done the the job them, themselves mm-hmm. and don't understand yeah. you know as an educator yeah. you're a parent and you're or you know you get everything like right. when they don't get it they don't know what to do how to put things in place and they really just don't care and and i i will yeah. say though i mean i i don't appreciate betsy devos at all um but if if you're not going to be an educator Get somebody in there who is going to at least accept That's good. accept advice. Yes. You know, accept advice from, you know, you know, somebody who is, you know, been a principal or somebody who is yes. a, a superintendent. Listen at to least the people who know. Listen to the teachers, listen to the parents, listen to the students. And and it's okay, you know, for, for her not to be an educator. But where she went wrong was when she just said, I I don't care about education. She didn't say it literally. Well, she may have, but her action says she didn't care. And yeah. her accent, her action says she wasn't going to listen because she knows best. You know, again, finding an educator who, who would want to take on that job is probably you know, a, a really chal- a challenge in itself. But finding somebody who is willing to listen and yes. willing to adapt. Yes. Yes. So um, with with, you know, us, you know, going um being back on lockdown and you know um not knowing really what the future is like literally going into a year of dealing with this um are, do you see any you know are there any g- great things that have come out of trying to with this different learning technique um is there are there any do you think that this is a great way to further the argument of you know the the uh, what happens in the lower income families you know they've we've always it's been said for so many times Mm -hmm. but i feel like um like egypt said earlier covid has like put it in their face yes to where now you have no way to 
ignore this or deny that this is happening in black Mm -hmm. and brown communities because the data is Mm -hmm. now showing there is there do you think that this is going to be an eye opener or a way to really use that as a as a way to fight for um, better education for the black and brown uh, communities I think that um, the eye opening hasn't occurred yet I think it is a, it is an eye opener for those of us who are in the trenches and who are working in these communities, but the but, but you already knew right I, that wasn't any that wasn't news right. to to us. Um, what's really going to happen is going to be an eye opener is you know two years, three years, five years on down the road when you start to notice that the people who are working everywhere cannot put a sentence together everywhere cannot write their name everywhere can't follow a, a bus schedule on the app on your phone that's when it's really going to be an eye-opener and you talk about you know what good has come out of this I think the the difference between the haves and the have-nots that's the best mm-hmm. thing that has come because people are now more people are now aware and it's more in people's faces now that you can't, you can't get around this. There's the, the, the equity gap and the inequality gap is so much more in people's faces, but you know, people still deny it. Right. So, you know, what's going to, it is an eye opener now. It's an eye opener for parents because, Oh wow. My child isn't, as great as I thought they were. Right. And oh, Absolutely. It's, it's, it's really hard to, to control these kids. It's really hard to teach. Right. And we're only mm-hmm. paying them. And, and how much are we paying them? And mm-hmm. But you see, that's not even a real eye opener right now because there are some, peer, there are some people in, in Egypt and I hear it all the time. All those teachers, you know, they have it easy. All they got to do is work six hours a day. Y'all get the summers off. You get the summers off. You get the weekends off. So there are still people who believe right. that to this day. And there are still people who say, oh, you know, as an educator, you have so easy. Egypt, do you have any, because um, I'm going to um, um, end it on this note. Uh, do you have any final remarks as well um, as to what um, I said? Do you see any, do you see a, uh, 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 light at the end of the tunnel, if I must say, regarding what's happening. Yeah, I see. I, I agree that I, I do see a, a resurgence in parent advocacy. And I'm hoping that it goes harder. Um, I see a lot of parents are, are starting to understand exactly what teachers are going through, exactly how hard it is to motivate a student to learn. And that that's not my job solely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I can only do so much. It's I need you on the other end as my team member to be giving some type of motivation, intrinsic or not something. You have to start teaching our children that, to motivate themselves. Right. We have to start teaching them those kinds of things so that they can do Because a lot of the kids, it's not a problem of logging on and being online six, seven hours. It's when you get offline and you got to do that work for yourself. Right. right. It's the asynchronous learning that they have a problem with. They'll come to synchronized learning, talk to y'all, dog on day low, type in the chat, but they won't do the actual work. They have no motivation when they turn that computer off to keep going 
and turn something intangible so it can be graded. So I'm no seeing benefit. a lot of parents who are seeing that. There's no benefit. And that's, and that's what I need parents to, to understand and see. If what's being turned in to be graded, you can see that there's no benefit to your child. That means your child's not learning. Your child's not being educated. You need to speak up. You need to advocate for your kid and let's come together and make a better plan. That is what I'm hoping that I'm seeing on a rise. I've seen a little of it and I'm hoping for a rise of that. So I believe that's what remote learning is doing for us. It's also showing us old head teachers, some of old head teachers that you can't sit and stay in the way. We have to grow and we have to learn just like the kids and we shouldn't have stopped learning. 21st As this technology and everything started to increase, we should have been increasing our knowledge of things as well. There's no reason why we have public educators who are still learning how to log into Google Classroom. Wow. Well, That's I, a bit remedial. I, I definitely want to um, thank both of you for being um, on my um my podcast, um, my producer is also an educator as well. So this was an awesome. interesting Yay. conversation for her as well. Um, so she's been nodding her head the whole time. Um, so, you know, I, I would like to say for the record, nobody told me it could be video conference. I thought it had to be on the phone. I was very pretty in this California sun. Ain't no <laughs> video conference. What is you talking about? Oh, okay. Oh, I can't. Well, y'all talk about talking to each other. I'm just saying. No, I'm well, she's here. Head. I'm in the room. Well, she's in the room with me. Oh, okay. I got it. My bad. <laughs> yeah, she's here. You're just, you know, 3,000 miles away. Okay. Enjoying the sun. So I, I, I okay. want to thank, thank both of you so much. And as a person who um, has, remember, I remember my first grade teacher. Mm. I remember my library teacher at, at, in kindergarten, which was Vicky from um, Drama Group. Oh, yeah. She was my kindergarten um, library teacher, and I still remember her. You, teachers play such, um, educators play such a vital role in our everyday, in mm-hmm. our everyday life. And I can reflect on something now that I knew I heard back from my sixth grade teacher, Mrs. Venarsdale, and what she said to me. So it's very, you guys play, you, you both, and you, you all three play a major role in our development and our life and I just want I want to be the first to say thank you for everything that you do you know you don't get enough thank you there's not enough thank yous for educators um you have shaped you you shaped this world um and so I personally um want to say thank you for all the hard work that you have done are doing and will continue to do because you're definitely in it because you love what you do um that's why you're there you guys could have careers doing anything else you know you're doing it because you love it and you know you are the um you're you're shaping and molding the future so i want to thank you all for that um thank you for being here i really appreciate i'm going to do like a check-in and see how how things are going later on for the rest of the year. Uh, but again, absolutely. But again, thank you so much for being here. Thank you all for listening. I totally appreciate it. And um, talk to you all soon. Thank you. To follow me on social media, you can go to Instagram. I'm very active on Instagram. Um, it's Cordero underscore Santiago. Follow me on Instagram to just stay in touch with everything I'll talk about. I'll update you on um, the upcoming episodes and things to look forward to. I'm so excited that I have an email address now for you guys to send me requests for topics. 
any questions you have regarding a topic that I've already discussed, or if you just want to vent about something that's going on in your life that you want me to talk about on an episode, I have an email address for you to do all of those things. The email is darrowdaresyou at gmail.com. So I'll spell that for you. Darrow, D-A-R-O-D-A-R-E-S-U. Darrow dares you at gmail.com. Send me an email. 